Are you excited just about being in the house? Amen? About receiving the word, like what Jessica just said about receiving a word. Getting a word from God, and that word changed your life. And I, I'm just, i tell you, today I'm excited about the word that we're bringing. But before I bring the word, um, on our Vision Sunday, on that night of Vision Sunday, we prayed over everybody's lists that they had and desires and, and things that they wanted to see happen, and we prayed over that. And so a lot of really good things have begun to happen in people's lives in, within the church and uh, so today, I've asked Dahlia to come, and she's going to share with us um, some things that have happened in her life. So Dahlia, come and, and lay it out to him. Yes. Well, I didn't bring a list. I brought a book. Oh, a book. That he prayed over. Huh. Yes, you yes, remember, and you said right. your book. I, do. I, did, I Yes. Did. And so God is really good to me, and he continues to be really good to me. So for those of you that don't know, I am writing my first book. I'm in the process of getting it all published and marketed and all of that good stuff. So I had two sentences in that, or in this book, for that book. And one sentence was a prophetic word that I got 10 years ago about writing books. That prophetic word said through the writing of my book that I would come into much wealth. So I finished writing my book, and a few weeks ago I'm like, okay, God, so your word said that I was gonna come into much wealth. That's not what my bank account says. And so I like to do word studies in, in these 10 years. I've never done a word study on that word wealth. So I looked up the word wealth and it is virtue, valor, and strength. And as I've been writing, I've noticed that change in my life. I've noticed that some things are changing on the inside. That is the wealth that God was talking about. Yes, amen to that. And so also what I did on that day, I had my phone because I knew I came expecting that Pastor Bird was going to give me a word. And so he did. I had my recorder going and after I got out of here, I transcribed that word that he gave me. And so I'm believing for that as well too. And so he said, great favor, great favor on your life. And so a couple of days after that word, again associated with my book, uh, I got noticed by two celebrities, so I'm writing this book, right? So I posted a review on uh, a celebrity who's got like two million followers, and so she noticed me. She print screened my review and posted it to her two million followers on her social media accounts. Yes, favor, great favor. I'm reaching out to this woman again. She's going to be an endorser on my book. She just don't know it yet. Yes. And then my second person, also a celebrity, uh, I've reached out to him and I'm going to have an interview with him later this year. He's got thousands of followers. So praise God in heaven, great favor. And something else that Pastor Bert said that I transcribed, he said, whatever you ask for is coming to pass, you know, because it's going to be God's will. And on just this Friday, I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Jesus, I need a Jessica. If anybody here knows Jessica Robinson, you guys know the integrity. You guys know the unparalleled work ethic that woman has. So we're having just major, major changes going on in my business. And so I needed a Jessica and I prayed to God. Well, through the series of some conversations, 24 hours, I got my Jessica. Jessica Robinson is now working with me. Yes. 
yes, or she help, she's helping our team. So those are my manifestations and more to come. I have so much more. That's great. God is faithful, is he not? So continue to send in uh, just your reports and testimonies of good things that are happening so you can share. And we want to continue to do that all year. We want to celebrate manifestation. Can you say amen to that? Awesome. So this morning, um, we're starting a new series for this month. And um, so there'll be, there'll be five messages in this series. And um, today I want to, I'm just going to take a little bit of time and, and, and really define what I believe this title to this message, what, what, what it is and what it represents to people's lives. The, 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 the new title of my message is Identity Crisis. Identity crisis. And um, I believe that people in this nation are, are in crisis where their identity is concerned, you know, where, where who they are is concerned. And I want to I read just a couple of short definitions of a number of different words. The word identity just a simple definition of the word identity is who someone is, their name or person, or the qualities and beliefs that make a particular person or group different from others is, is, is one person's identity over another person's identity. Um, it's important that and we've taught a lot about this in this body, about who we are in Christ. It's important to know who we are in Christ. But I think we're, there are a lot of blocks in individual people today is that individuals don't, they don't know who they are because of where they came from. Many people don't know who they are because of where they came from. And so today, I'm going to explain that a little bit and, and explain what I see and what I've seen through the years in pastoring people. What I see is a huge hindrance to people not fulfilling their plan because they can't see the plan. They, they can't see not just... Not just that they can't see who they are, but they can't see themselves the way that God sees them. Um, in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 and verse, well, verse 1 is a popular verse that we use now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3 says, by faith we understand. Everybody say, by faith. Not by understanding, but by faith we understand. Not by understanding do we understand, but by faith do we understand. That what? That the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Okay, so 
What we see today was created by what God said. We were created in his image. We were part of what he said. He said, I'll create man in our image and in our likeness. So man was not created after a monkey or after another animal. We were created after God, the image of God. And he created us that way. And so... If the worlds were framed by the word of God, and we were created in the image of God, then it should go without saying that our worlds have to be framed by what we say. So my individual world is framed by words. When you came into the world, you had no control of who you were born to, When you came into the world, you had no control over who the people in your life, what they said, what they did, and how they treated you. You had absolutely no control over that. No control. And so as a result, words have framed all of our lives. And in most cases, in most situations, because people don't understand this, Most people's worlds that were framed when they were, you know, adolescents, when they were babies and adolescents, when they were in their adolescent years, how those words frame their life have continued on because people don't understand the power of words. Most people, not you, but most other people. And so, as a result of that, if if you were born into a family with volatile parents that were angry and yelled and screamed all the time, their yelling and screaming words framed your world. Whether you like it or not, you can admit it or not admit it, you can try to suppress it, but in one way or another, their words and and their actions framed your world and who you are today until you learned to understand how to make the changes of that. Worlds were framed by the Word of God. My world today is framed by what I say. Okay? Um, You know, just one example in my own life. I, I came from a family, at least one of my parents, that had a lot of fear and anger. Because my grandmother was that way. My grandmother was very angry. And she, she was, had a short fuse and she was very volatile and, 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 and was very ugly with her words. And it was my mom's mom. And so there were a lot of words from my grandmother that framed my mom's world. And from the anger and things that had happened to my grandmother that I found out years later, those things were passed down to my mother. And because of the lack of understanding and no word in her life and how to frame her world with the word of God, that was passed down to me. As a child, I can remember my mom yelling a lot. My mom has passed on. We've had these conversations, you know, before. I love my mom. There's a great transformation that happened in her life, you know, as, as her life went on. But when I was younger, 
I can remember having a lot of dreams and nightmares, and I could just hear this person yelling. I can hear this yelling all the time. I, I remember I used to have dreams where I was falling, and while I was falling, I could hear my mom yelling. And, and it affected the way that I perceived things and the way that I looked at things in life. And, you know, I wasn't raised in church, so I had no word or whatever until I got born again two months before my 18th birthday. And when I got born again, I got born again into a world of people in the Christian world that believed in this verse of Scripture, how to frame your world by the words of God, and it saved me. It didn't transform me immediately, but it saved me, you know. And what happened was I began to realize some of the reasons that I did certain things that I did. I began to realize, well, you know, over time, well, that's why I react like that. That's why I get angry like that. That's why I'm fearful in that area right here or there, you know. As I was born again and, and beginning to start out, it began to be real to me. But you can grow up in the church and if people don't believe this verse of Scripture right here, the way I'm, I'm delivering it to you, if people don't believe that, then Christianity just becomes another group and another club. It becomes something that we come to because it's, you know, if we don't go to church, then God's going to be mad at us kind of a deal, you know. Everybody say, I am the church. I am the church, the body of Jesus Christ. That's who you and I are, right? But <clears throat> I'm not the church individually myself I'm a piece that makes up the church like you are that's why we need each other see and that that the the purpose of gathering together is not to be something that we're not it's to become something that God created us to be he created a he that's why he said forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves together not from a religious legalistic standpoint see but connect together because we need to understand these truths if church life, if what we call church life is not centered around the word, around the word. You can center church around worship and it won't liberate your life. You can center your life, you can center church life around prayer and it will not liberate your life. Now, you need prayer, you need worship, you need all these different things, but if it's not centered around the Word of God, then there's no entrance of light to make the changes that need to be made. And then what happens? We, we, we're little bitty kids that our lives were framed, you know, and we're angry, we're mad, we're jealous, we're competitive, you know. Uh, the same way we fought for that little rattly toy in the nursery when we were this big, we're still fighting for little things like that with other people. <clears throat> How many heard my drive-through story at Bill Miller's the other day? Raise your hand if you heard my drive-through story. Well, just a few. Good. So the, those of you that heard it, just act like you never heard it before. <clears throat> so I'm. Uh, I leave church. I had I had to meet with some people from the East Coast on a Sunday afternoon. So I left church here several weeks ago right after church and I had to go meet them in San Antonio so I you know preached a little long and no and uh, talked a little long and I was a little late so I was thinking I was going to stop and just go in a restaurant and get me something to eat real quick but I thought now I'm just going to run through a drive-thru so I head to Bill Miller's barbecue I'm just going to grab me a sandwich and uh, I get off the freeway 
and I pull into the parking lot of Bill Miller's, and I should have gone up one. I, I wasn't in the wrong place. It, the, the arrows, you could go either way here, but I, I needed to go up one to get to the drive-thru. So I come, so I come into the parking lot, <clears throat> and I swing around, and I do kind of a Yui. Well, there's nobody in the drive-thru. There's not even anybody at the window. It's just me. So I'm making this U-turn in the parking lot. I'm not in anybody's way. I look left or right, and I get to the drive-thru, and so the back end of my car, so like if this is the drive-thru with, where, where the speaker is, so my car is just kind of like this. It's not bothering anybody, it's, it, it, but I should have come this way. And I get right here, and this, all of a sudden, I get this, and I look up, and there's this woman. And I mean, she's going ballistic. I mean, she's freaking out. She's throwing me every one of her fingers, and I mean, she's screaming, and she's, and I'm going, I'm sitting there looking at this woman. So I just stop. So she's, she's right here, and I'm right here, but I'm in front of the deal, and the lady's already asked me, what would you like? And I'm sitting there looking at this one, and she's not stopping. She, she didn't have her window down. She's just yelling and screaming at me, and I'm looking at her. And way back in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about reversing my car and just running into her, you know? <laughs> Or getting out of the car, way in the back of my mind, I'm getting, thinking about getting out of the car and dragging her out of her car, you know, and doing something, you know. I mean, I've watched a lot of, de- a lot of you know, detective shows and stuff, and they do all kinds of things. So I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about that. But down inside of me, the still, small voice is saying to me, Bert, I need, I need you right now. I need you. I need you to be calm. And I need you to look at this woman in the issues that she's in. Somebody framed that world of that lady with anger and bitterness and whatever else. Somebody framed her world that way. And can you imagine living with someone like that? Over a drive-thru? I'm telling you, this wasn't me racing to the drive-thru trying to beat her. I can understand that a little bit. I'm talking about, I'm in front of it. And because of the way I came into it, she's throwing a fit. And so, after a little while, I'm thinking about that. I mean, let my emotions get down. She's still screaming. So I back up from the window. And I go like this. Well, uh, you know, you know, she's not going to let that go. No, you, I already, I already screwed up, and you know, why would she get in this? So, so I go all the way around, and I come behind her, and she takes off. And, <clears throat> you know, th- those things are disturbing, right? It's not just me; it's just disturbing when someone does something like that. But all I could do all afternoon was just. Think I'll never forget that lady, but I promise you, she'll never forget me. See, she knew I was going to do something, you know. So I've probably seen her 
10 o'clock news or something. I mean, she's probably been in some altercation with someone else, you know, at a Bill Miller's or Chick-fil-A or somewhere, you know. I mean, she's been, she's been in the battle somewhere because, because think about her life. Think about what it's like on the inside of that human being that was created by God. See, God didn't make her that way. The problem was her world was framed. You and I live in a world where most people don't know who they are. We don't know who we are. So that woman is identified one, one way. She's identified in her life through anger. So she sees everything through anger, right? So when she sees me, she doesn't just think, well, whatever. She'll just wait and she'll wait till I go and, and move on. I mean, this is, this is just life, you know. Sometimes somebody pulls in from a different direction and it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You, you, you understand? And probably, probably I should have just gone around the thing and pulled in the other way. But what it showed me was that we live in a society today where people, are, their, their personalities are volatile because they don't know who they are. See, God didn't create that woman in anger. Words have framed her world so that she's an angry person, and so she sees everything through anger. So when she looks at other people, she's angry. But God didn't make her that way. See, God made her a happy person. He made her a fulfilled person. He created in her a joy that she can live in life for the good of other people. That's how God created that lady. And I'm telling you today that God created you in such a way that anything that tries to label you can be lifted off of you. Actually, it can be destroyed over your life. Anything that labels you. And, you know, an angry person is kind of in your face. But a person who is full of different types of fears is not always in your face because you can't always see that. And, and people will hide behind different types of fears through different actions. And God's purpose in life is that our minds would be transformed. I want, to, I want you to look at this foundational scripture we'll use for the next few weeks. And I'm just kind of laying some foundation about where I want to get with this today. But this Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. I want to look at that word over the next few weeks. We're going to look at it and talk about what real transformation looks like and, 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 and how God intended you and I to live a transformed life forever. It's not something that happens one time or, you know, some issue you have in your life. Everybody has issues. Everybody has things in their life that are in their life and attitudes and personality traits 
that are a, a result of how that was framed by words. I, I, I had a, when I was, when I was younger growing up, I, I kind of went through a, a little chubby stage. And um, I, you know, I was, I was a golfer. My dad was a golf professional. And so I, wrote, I, I grew up in the golf world. And, and um, one day I was, and I can remember the day, I was probably about nine years old. And it was a guy that worked for my dad. Big, big guy. He was a, he was a native uh, Apache Indian. We were, I was raised in New Mexico, and he was an Apache Indian. R- really liked the guy. He was he and, he and his father both worked for my dad, and he I really we, we were we were real close. He's a lot older than I was. I was nine, and he was probably twenty one or two. And I can I was I was sitting on this chair one day, and I was eating a hoagie, you know, around the golf course. Hoagies were real popular, and I was sitting there eating a hoagie and drinking a coke, and I looked chubby, and I can remember his words. He said. Man, you're eating those hoagies, you're going to be fat all your life. That's what he said to me. And I can, and I, I can remember those words to this day. And, and what those words did to me is it put a fear in me that something was not going to change in me. And so what I did is I started living my life where I wouldn't even eat. And, I, and as I grew, grew older and as I got in my high school years, I was, you know, I was about 170 pounds for my frame, 170 pounds ringing wet is like a beanpole. But those words drove me to never be fat, never be heavy or whatever. It drove me to, be, to not be that way. And, and one day God said to me, no, 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 I created you, and the way you are, I'm pleased with. And some people think, some people judge other people because of certain things, of certain ways that they look. And if you compare yourself and you're competitive with what other people think, it'll control you to the point that you can't even function. You'll only go around people that are like you. You'll only go around people that, that like what you like. And, and God wants us to be people that open ourselves up to be a blessing to anybody. See, And it doesn't matter what other people think. And the more I become a part of that, the more I can fulfill the purpose and plan of God. See, what I'm, the reason I'm bringing this word to you is because the lack of identifying who you really are in life, because identity truly is just who you are. And when you don't know who you are, you can't fulfill what God created you to fulfill because... Because you'll live a life that is comfortable and easy and and non-threatening. But to live a life with God is a life where you're going to be threatened all the time. Where you're going to be challenged all the time. But by faith, we believe that the world that we live in that's framed by the Word of God causes us to overcome any situation that we face. No matter what people think of us. And when you come to that place where you're not identified by what other people have said about you, when you're not identified there, but you're identified with who Jesus says that you are, that's, that's the time in your life that the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, this happiness 
and fulfillment, even if all hell's breaking loose around you. There is a fulfillment inside of you because you're not threatened by other people. See, if you lived on a deserted island, you wouldn't be threatened by anybody. But if you desert, if you, if you desert and you separate yourself from the rest of the world and you live in this little clique with people that just think and operate like you, it's a lonely life and you won't fulfill the plan of God because there's no faith involved in that. Remember when Jesus said, he used to confuse me when he'd say, you know, love your enemies, do good to those that do, they'll do all this kind of stuff. And I think, He's, he must have had a bad day or something when he was writing all that stuff out. He must have made a mistake. You know, I used to think that. I'd just kind of skip over those parts when I first got born again. What I didn't realize was he was saying there's no faith involved when you're just good to people that are good to you. See, but there's faith involved, and you have to step out and believe God and trust God when you do something good to someone that's not done something good to you. See, when someone's done you wrong and you do them right, and you bless them, and you speak right, and, and, and you do what God tells you to do in that situation, then something happens, and a peace comes to you, and a non-threatening lifestyle gets developed on the inside of you, where you're not threatened by people and personalities. And I, I believe that some of the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks in, in relation to this, if... If you get a hold of it and you help other people get a hold of it, we'll change the whole world with revelation like this. You know, not, I'm saying we, we'll do our part, you know, but, but if we get things like what we're talking about today and we realize what we've done and how we're in bondage in certain areas of our life and we can admit to that, we can get free of it. Because Jesus will liberate anybody that wants to be free. And when you get free in your thinking, and you don't allow things to stay the same in your thinking, and you become transformed in your thinking, then there's no end to what you can accomplish. The Amplified in verse 2 is very interesting. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed. By how? By the entire renewal of your mind. With what? With new ideals and with a new attitude. So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. There's a lot to that verse and we're going to break that down over the next few weeks. But there's, there's a lot that we have to understand about how to be transformed in the way that we think about ourselves, you know, um, you know, you know. Some people think, well, if I get a if I get a better worldview of things, well, you're not going to get a better worldview of things when you view things incorrectly within yourself. When you don't see yourself the way God sees you, you can't view the world in the right way, you know, and you won't view other people in the world the right way. There are a lot of people out there today that are saying all kinds of things about the answer for the planet or the answer for the United States of America. There's, we got, you know, we're voting for president this year, and so there's a battle between who's going to be president of the United States of America. I'm telling you that neither candidate, whoever ends up being candidate on Democrat or Republican side, neither of those candidates are going to save America. America is going to be saved when the people change the way they think. 
And when you change to see yourself the way that God sees you, then there, there's no end to what, what, what can happen, you know? And, and I, one of the things that you can do about the people that are running for president, depending on who becomes the president, is you can pray for their minds. You can pray Ephesians 1. God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, that the eyes of their understanding would be opened up and enlightened so that they would know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance as a child of God and what the surpassing greatness of his power is to those who believe. We can pray that those prayers like that. that. That was a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus and he encouraged them to pray that over themselves and for other people. When you pray that way and your eyes begin to be open to see things in a, in a correct way, there's no end to what can happen. Amen? So... If, if a person is hopeless, I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm using several words today because I want to really drive this point home. If a person is hopeless, ho- hopelessness didn't come from their creation. When they, when, they, when they were conceived in their mother's womb, a person today that's grown up and they're hopeless, when they were conceived... They were not, they were not in, in, in the creation part of, the, of, of who they are. When they were conceived, they were whole. They're, they're, the, the potential for their spirit man to be alive on the inside of them, their spirit was dormant until the whole, they, were, they came to a place, place of accountability to accept Jesus. But their soul and their body were complete. And, and inside there was not hopelessness. Inside of them was the potential for hope, for faith, for greatness in their life. That's the way God made every human being. They had to learn to be hopeless. A person has to learn to be hopeless and have no hope in life and and view life uh, as, you know, there's no reason to live. When, When people, I mean, the suicide rate in America is staggering. But those people were not created in, they, they, weren't, they weren't created, they, everybody came from God, and from God did not come hopelessness and a spirit of suicide. See, it had to be transmitted, and it was transmitted in the beginning with words. And so, m- many people, from the moment they were conceived, if, if, a, if a person, I, I met a person met many people, but I met a person one time that found out that um, they, their mother was raped. And they were the child as a result of the rape. Now you can imagine the words and all of the drama that was centered around this activity. God's stamp of approval wasn't on that. That wasn't God's will for that thing to happen. Right? But what happened there was the birth of a child that was born into trauma. Major trauma. Major strongholds. Major fear and torment and anger and frustration. And, and I, mean, I mean, a list of other things that that person was born into. So do you think that that child was starting off a little bit behind and, and a, l- a little bit disadvantaged in life. Uh, not just a little bit, but a bunch. And so, so 
probably as a result of how that happened, the, the mother of that child, you know, the child was born, I, I knew this person, and, I, and, and so that she, she was born, okay, and she lived a life, but from a broken home and from parent and family to family and situation to situation, you know, I mean, it was horrible. I mean, it was an unfair entrance into this world, not knowing, you know, what life could be like to be born to two parents that love God and those kind of things. But this is the real world that we live in, right? So this person, when they came to a, begin to come to an understanding of the Word of God, begin to apply the Word of God and make corrections in their thinking. Because all that had happened since the moment they were conceived, everything that had happened since that point, okay, was ungodly. And now you've got all this baggage and all this stuff and, and things that have to be worked out. And to work that out and renew a person's mind and begin to see yourself the way that God sees you is not an easy task. It's not something that just comes because you confess a few verses of Scripture over, you know, over yourself. No, it's something that has to become a lifestyle. Because what happened from conception on became a lifestyle with, the, with this, this individual here. You, you may have been raised in a situation not, not as, as, you know, extreme as that one is, but it really doesn't matter how extreme situations are, like what we're talking about. What matters is, is that we come to a realization that the only hope that we have in life of fulfilling the purpose and plan of God is for our minds to be transformed. Our thinking has to change. We can't stay the same. We have to identify if there's hopelessness. Don't raise your hand, but has anybody in here ever felt hopeless in a situation? Okay? Think about that for a moment. You felt like there was no hope. You felt like God, you might, have, you might be born again for a lot of years and then some, some situation come up and creep up and you start thinking that God... Well, you know, it's like God doesn't understand, or He's not helping me, or it's not, this, is, this isn't changing. Well, things can't change. God, God didn't create this life to where He would fix things for us. He sent us a helper to help us, right? So, the helper, the Holy Spirit, is inside of us to hear from God and find out how to get free from the things that control our thinking. Okay, that's where the transformation takes place. But if I don't learn to hear the voice of the Spirit of God, if I don't learn to hear and to know what God is speaking to me, then I'm going to try to figure it out on my own. And, I, and I'm telling you today that you and I can't fix things on our own. We can't get born again, hear a little bit of word, get baptized in the Spirit, pray with other tongues, and then get to a place in our mind that we think we don't need that help anymore. You need help more than you think you need help. Every one of us sitting here today and everyone on planet Earth was created with this help need. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. But we look to help a lot of times from people that will enable us 
to continue in the same mess that we continue in. So we find ourselves, humanity finds themselves going around and around and around in the same circles, experiencing the same things and not really getting set free. To be liberated and free can be a difficult task and it can be a journey that is uncomfortable. And if you and I are always looking for easy street and comfort street, and, and we're not willing to walk through certain things in the, in the midst of transformation, then we're not going to experience what transformation really looks like. Because to be transformed, as it says here, he said, be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. By its new ideals and what? Its new attitude. I don't know about you. But 10 years ago, if I'd have had the Bill Miller experience, there would have been a different attitude that probably would have surfaced 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. There would have been times that a different attitude, and this person has unjustly attacked me, and I need to attack back. Well, that's not God. Because Love endures all things, believes the best in all, of all things in all people, and love never fails. See? Well, love doesn't, but that doesn't mean that I will. But if I allow the love of God in me to take control of a situation because I'm listening to the voice of God. Because, see, in the back of my mind, I was hearing about, you know, dragging this lady out and hanging her by this tree that was right there, you know, or something like that. I mean, in the back of my mind, I could visualize myself doing some of those kind of things. I mean, you know, if you say, wait, how could you think? Well, I don't know, but I, you know, I'm just telling you, I can think things like that, you know. But I don't want that stuff. See, that I've been transformed and changed, but some of that stuff will crop back up. But what I was listening to is what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do in that situation, Right? Because I've been transformed and changed, and so what happened, what surfaced was a new attitude. And that new attitude comes from learning how to hear the voice of God and then do what he tells you to do. If I, if I won't practice that, then I won't get rid of what? The anger. See, the anger in that lady, okay, the anger in the lady at, that, that came at me at the drive-thru was after... The anger that was generationally passed down to me from my mother and my grandmother and wherever that came from. That, that's what the anger in her was after to see if that anger in me had really been, is really gone. See, that's why we know these things are spirits. See, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. It's not the lady, it's the spirit behind it. See, and I got no re reason to judge her about spirit and her because in the back of my mind, some of those thoughts were swirling around. That doesn't mean those things go away because the devil's not in the pit yet. And what he's after are the things generationally that have been passed down. That's why we've got to, I got to know who I am. I'm not that angry person that I saw in my mom and that I saw in my grandma and that I heard in my great grandma. That's not me. Why? Because I was born a second time. Now, that was after my first birth. But see, I'm not, I'm, I'm not lined up with my first birth anymore. I'm lined up with second birth. Hmm? And now that I'm lined up with second birth, I don't have to put up with that stuff anymore. If I tolerate it, 
if I won't deal with it and I won't stay with it. You know, I've seen people through the years, in 28 years of pastoring, I've seen people that would, they, they would come into this realization of what they needed to deal with and they would move toward it and they'd get free for the moment and then they'd bail from it. Okay, I got this now. No, no, no. You're just beginning to see it. You don't have nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. With him, we can do all things. Without him, we can do nothing. With him, I can do all things. Without him, I can do and accomplish nothing. Anger will not leave, you know, be on the front page of the San Antonio paper, Pastor in Kerrville hangs woman from tree at Bill Miller's. Listen to me. You know all the crazy stories you think? You go, what were they think? What was the guy think? He wasn't. You know, he wasn't thinking. Why? Because he hasn't got in the process of being transformed. Transformation is not a one-time, two-time, three-time thing. Transformation is something you stay with until you're changed. And then when you're changed, why would you let up? I had a guy come to me one time and he said, you know, I got this. I got this pornography thing. It's huge, and it's, and it's controlling my life. And he said, but I, I was free from it. At, this, at, the, at one time, I was liberated and free from this pornography, thing, this hold that pornography had on my life. And I said, okay, so what happened? Well, you know, I got free from it. And he said, you know, I, I found myself a little at a time thinking, well, this won't hurt me. Well, looking at this one, not that big of a deal because it's not like it was before. And what it did is it led him right back to where he was before and even worse. Why? Because it's a demonic spirit. Hey, you, you got this. You got it. You got it. You don't have to guard, you don't have to guard your eyes. You don't have to guard yourself. If, if you came, any, anybody, man, woman, I don't care who you are, if you came from some pornographic, perverted lifestyle from the past, you need to stay away from it forever. Well, I mean, you know, even if you didn't, you don't need to be involved in it. You know, that doesn't sound right, what, what I'm saying right there. But I'm saying, I mean, I, I mean, to get free from something like that, you have to take extremes. You know, there are extreme issues that have to be addressed, and you have to stay at that level of extremity for the rest of your life. Because if you back off, and, and you think you can handle it, now you're handling it within yourself instead of obeying what God told you to do. See? And, and that, that is only between you and God. That's not someone hovering over you and you can't and you can't. No, 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 no. No, someone's got to help you to get to the place where you get the revelation. Then you've got to keep that revelation because God's not going to tell you you can do this and that. You've got to realize those are familiar spirits and voices telling you that you can overcome something and you can handle something now for the rest of your life. And it, it didn't have to be that extreme. No, it has to be that extreme. It has to be that extreme because we're living an extreme life. This is a life and death thing. Do you know how many people, how many people depend on your life for you to be free? And, and, and the people that need you free, many of them haven't even come into your life yet. 
And when you've been freed and liberated by God, God will send so many people across your path. Why? Because he can trust you. See? Because now you're not someone that's trying to just lead people into some environment of Christianity that that is fake. But you're leading people into a relationship with God Almighty that liberates their lives and sets them free. We're, we're, we're in a major identity crisis. I, I, I pulled this up off the internet. I just typed this in. And I typed in uh, identity crisis. And uh, this was a comment by a young person about what an identity crisis is. And they said this, I think an identity crisis happens anytime that you question yourself. Think about that. Adolescence is a time of many changes in which a child essentially is no longer a child, but not quite an adult. This poses a dilemma for teenagers, which often cause conflict with their parents. Many teenagers seek independence, which moves them forward into adulthood, but parents often want to protect them and limit their freedom until they reach adulthood. Usually, this type of identity crisis resolves itself once the teenager becomes a full-fledged adult, but it is a painful time for the teenager in the meantime. And as I was reading that, I was thinking, you know, that's about half true. And the other half that's true is the opposite of that. Every parent that lets their child grow up at 13 years old is a fool. You just do whatever you want. Now, I'm not calling you a fool if you've done that. I'm just saying they're a fool. Because at 13 years old or 14 or 15 years old, their brain is only about 60% developed. So they're not thinking on all cylinders. And they need your cylinders to help out in the performance. They need you to input and speak into their life and be there for them. Even when they're 18 years old. Whoever said, where in the word did we find when you're 18 years old you're grown up? I promise you some of the dumbest things I ever did in my life was when I was grown up and I turned 18 and went off to college. Some of the dumbest things I've ever. Well, you know, you just have to. No, no. We don't have to make horrible mistakes. I'm not talking about not releasing people, but not, it doesn't matter if it makes them mad or anything. Well, you know, you're just trying to control me. No, I'm trying to keep you from making horrible decisions. And I want to help you in giving you advice as I'm releasing you and you growing up and being the person that you were created to be. We have responsibility. Well, it's the same thing that people do with the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, I'm growing up now. Man, I've been in church for two years. I've heard the word. I mean, you know, I got this thing figured out. And then you think you have it figured out, and then you don't need the church, you don't need the Holy Spirit, you're going to do this thing on your own, and boom, you fall flat on your face. And all of a sudden, the things that you begin to get delivered of and free of in your soul, you go right back to those things. God doesn't want that. God has set it up in our lives for there to be protection and for there to be oversight in any and everything that we'll do if we'll just pay attention to it. Everything is about maturity. Everything is about growing up. God's not trying to pull us back and keep us infants and those kind of things. No, it's all about maturity. But it takes the different parts to develop the right way so that we become 
what God created us to be. So that we don't live our lives in, in identity crisis. We don't live our lives not knowing who we are. We live our lives fulfilling the purpose and the plan of God. Can you say amen? Look at 2 Corinthians 3 and I'll end with this. I'm just going to read this verse and make one point and then we'll, we'll pick up here next week. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. Who I am is from God. My identity is from God. I'm identified with Christ. Okay? So, I'm going to say... I'm going to say this, and, and, and I want to, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to put out a negative and then give you the reciprocal of that negative in the way God created us to be. He said, our sufficiency or our identity is not within ourselves, but our identity and our sufficiency comes from God. Okay? So... The question, I'm asking you this question this way of a number of different things. Are you a liar? Are you a depressed person? Are you an angry, hopeless person? Are you a needy person? Are you a judgmental or legalistic type person? If you are, if you find yourself and you can identify certain things like that in your life, you weren't created that way. God created you to be a truthful, a joyful, a happy, a faithful, an abundant, a full of mercy person, a, a person that is full of life and is giving and, and desiring to do good. God created us that way. He didn't create us the negative way. But where our identity crisis is, when you were created by the God that made you the way I just, just told you, truthful and joyful and happy and faithful and abundant and full of mercy, when, when you were created by that God over here, and yet you're living your life by this God over here. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 that the devil is the God of the system. So he's the one that's brought into your life through circumstances and situations generationally, a lot of times even passed down, you know, where a person is a liar, or they're depressed, or they're angry, or they're hopeless, or they're needy, or judgmental for whatever reasons. That's come from the law of the spirit of death. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us this way. And that's what you've got to begin to tell yourself that you are. If you find yourself hopeless or depressed or needy in, in certain areas like that, you've got to, your whole life and the whole transformation part starts by what you say over yourself. Wait a minute. I just said something and that wasn't truthful? No. No, I'll know the truth, and the truth will make me free. I'm not a liar. I'm a truthful person. I speak the truth, and the truth only. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is what I speak. I am not a liar. 
I'm telling you, the more you speak things like that and you declare things like that over yourself, the more you become liberated. Why? Because your world begins to be framed by what the Word says, right? Finding scriptures that relate to those kind of things. The Proverbs says that when a person lives with an angry person, they become angry. Proverbs says that. So when you live with an angry person, you become an angry person. Well, God didn't create me angry, but that came through being molded and framed by people that you live around or what other people say. I had a friend of mine that used to tell me, I've got to get out of this environment that I'm in because what these people are saying is contaminating me. You realize that everywhere Jesus went, he went in contaminating worlds. He didn't come for those who were well. He came for those who were sick and depressed and needy and all the things that we just mentioned. That's who he came for. And he went into those areas, but their stuff never influenced him to where he did what they did. And that's the way you judge where you're at in life. Can I handle? If if you are an alcoholic and where you spend all your time were in bars... The moment you get born again, it's not good for you to go back in the bars as a place of ministry. Maybe there'll be a day that God will lead you back to the bars, but that's not the best time to go because of what's not been transformed in your thinking. You, you, you're, and you're born again. Jesus is alive on the inside of you, that, but that doesn't mean that your mind is transformed. So a lot of the old stuff in the past still rules there, and you still see yourself as a drunk because of what people have said. But that's not the way God created you. Huh? I had a guy come to me one day and said, well, I just want you to know, I'm an alcoholic and I'll always be an alcoholic. And I said, no, I'm going to tell you today how you're going to change that confession. You were an alcoholic, but now you're born again. Now you're alive in Christ Jesus. And what once ruled your life today is not ruling your life anymore. Amen? And I said, I said, When you first started saying that, when you first started saying that once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic, when you first started saying that, you didn't necessarily believe it, but you've said it so much, you believe it now. Now you've got to take this new belief system, frame your world with this so that it uproots the old. So whatever it is in our life, things aren't going to just change because we we want them to. And they won't change just because you have good intentions. They'll change because of the change that you make in what you say and then what you do and how you learn to hear the voice of God and do what he says and prosper in all that you do. God created us that way. Can you say amen? So this verse of scripture says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Amen? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life, is what the next verse says, and we'll look at that next week. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Just the letter of the Word. Just just knowing what something says up here, but not doing anything with it, will bring destruction in a person's life. And God created us to be free and liberated, and to live on top and not underneath. Amen? God created you and I to be transformed and changed by our, by our new ideas and new attitudes on a day-to-day basis. I tell you, I'm excited. Laid just a foundation today of some things that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. I'm excited about this message. But take what I said today and allow it 
to become a part of who you are. God wants you to understand and live in who you are and to be identified with him and not identified with things of the past. I don't want to live in an identity crisis. I don't want to be in crisis. I want to know who I am and live in who I am and, and, and fulfill the purpose and the plan of God. How about you today? Amen? 